1: Hello and welcome to Your Booked, the podcast for literary nosy parkers. I'm Daisy Buchanan, your host, and the author of The Sisterhood, A Love Letter to the Women Who Shaped Me. It's one of The Independent's top ten women's memoirs, and it's a tender and irreverent celebration of the connections we forge with women, viewed through the lens of my own relationship with my five adorable and infuriating little sisters. It's been described as a Nancy Mitford novel meets Fleabag, that appeals, I think you'll like it. The Sisterhood is available from bookshops nationwide and if you'd like to support the podcast, buying the book is the very best way for you to do that. My local stockist, the Margate Bookshop, has just opened its first physical premises. It's on Two Market Square, Margate and it's well worth a visit if you can get to the Kent Coast. This week we're celebrating funny women. The Quip, that's Comedy, Women in Print Prize, has just announced its shortlist. Huge congratulations to everybody on the list. We also need to send an enormous belated congratulations to a friend of the podcast and YB alumni, Nina Stibby, who just won the Woodhouse Prize with her fantastic novel, Reasons to be Cheerful. We love Nina. And if you're not familiar with her work yet, why not start with her first book, Love Nina? This week's guest founded Quip, and she's one of the funniest of them all. Ellen Lederer is a novelist, a comedian, a presenter, and a movie star. You might know her Painfully Funny, super smart novel, Losing It, a vivid and uncompromising exploration of aging womanhood and how to deal with life when the people you love the most exasperate you the hardest. You definitely know her as Katrina from Absolutely Fabulous. You probably didn't know that she has the most comprehensive collection of scented candles in South London. We inspected her shelves and talked about Muriel Spark, self-help gurus and embarrassing teen diary dramas. We are right now in in South London on Helen's Landing um, and Helen's house is gorgeous and they really are books as far as yeah, I could see we went into the hall piles of books in the sitting room piles of books so this is a very handsome piece of furniture it's not quite a sideboard or a chest of drawers but it's that walnut um, but there it's a lovely unofficial bookcase and I picked up the driver's seat by Muriel Spark because it's open on page 11 are you reading this
2: at the moment well that's interesting first of all I must talk about my walnut item of furniture now this is a weird one higgledy pig which so sums up my brain at the moment (laughs) and the door look at the funny little walnut door it opens but it does fall off and it used to be in my parents house As, would you believe, a cocktail sort of sideboard thing. And my memories of opening this were there were all delicious um, like soda siphons and bottles of alcohol.
1: Oh, those lovely glass ones. Yes,
2: yes, all just beautiful sort of 1950s things that you're too young to remember. So then I I got this and it's a bit weird and random and it doesn't fit with anything. But um, it's on the landing, as you say, because this is where I go from room to room and the books that I'm looking at land here. So clever you that's for finding... That's why
1: they call it a landing, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah totally. There's a, there's a fit. There's a fit. And then you picked up uh, Muriel Spark. Well, interesting about Muriel Spark, the driver's seat, um, because there are quite sniffy reviews about this. Like, you know, like people who say not one of her best or thisy thatty, you know, and you just go, oh, that's so mean. Mm. Just meanness. But it's about somebody who commits a murder. And it's quite fascinating to think about. Sort of madness in quotes um, and murder and comedy mm. because I just hold Muriel Spark up as the example and perhaps you do when people say, "Well, give an example of you know this this ideal witty female mm. author," and it's just her crispness. I know we always remember Prime of Miss Jean Brodie, don't we? But I think she's—I'm sure you know other books. So I just find this is a a lesser-known one, and she's she talks she's on an aeroplane and she manages to combat get through quite a lot of passengers and it's just hilarious you know she sort of is that's moved
1: brilliant. and I the don't, air... i don't know that but i love yep. her economy and yep. what i love as well when i think so often when we talk about funny women i hate when people dismiss women like when they write about things in a domestic setting because i think that can be funny and brilliant but muriel spark is so dark mm. so deliciously dark
2: absolutely um and so that's far it certainly th- when one is required to sort of collect up favourite female authors from the past, let's say, or all people who've influenced you growing up, or indeed just that you've read, she's always there, isn't she? There doesn't seem to be anyone, uh, you know, a- as, w- as mentioned as much as Muriel Spark ever, it seems.
1: Um, I also see in sort of brilliant, funny women, I see E.M. Delafield and C. Townsend, Leslie Thomas- I don't know. He's a chap. <laughs> That's the male Leslie Thomas. Now, that, as an example, was a bit, bit of work
2: I was doing, you see. Now, I was making this comparison between those people who wrote in the 70s. So, Murray's bottom Bar- mm. she spanned, uh, mm. you know, decades, as you know, but there was. Uh this book, uh, the, uh, the the Driver's Seat, and Leslie Thomas-Tropic of Rice so were written at the same time. So I was trying to do this clever clogs, but st- slightly clunky comparison. And I started to read it. And in those days, it's the kind of book that might have been on my mother's bedside table, possibly. I don't know. I could be doing her a great disservice. But it's a parody about suburbia. And so, again, it's just interesting looking at genres and, you know, even um, other writers of that kind, Kingsley Amis at the time, you know, very sexist in our Mm. in in today's terms and it's just it's just a piece of interest very very sex very very sexual when you read that Mm. and then actually it becomes quite humble and quite self-effacing but just a very different style so it's just fascinating as an exercise actually
1: i just opened it up on page 49 (laughs) Her cascading fair hair tumbled over the grass, her forehead touched by the sun, the green material of her dress, pushed up by her gorgeous breasts, then mm. diffing to her flattened lower body. There's a such breasts. a male gaze. There's a there? lot of breasts in there, a, a huge
2: amount of breast references from the word go, which I find fascinating in itself, about when things were written. But then if you put, if you actually, it was a very successful book. I mean, Tropic of Ricelet was very, very well known at the time. So you just think how times have changed. Mm. And obviously, there's a bit more to it apart from just a man uh, ogling a pair of breasts, if that's what they did in those days. <laughs>
1: I'm sure. I'm sure,
2: that's some ogling. <laughs> I'm
1: not defending it. <laughs> and, I'm not defending well, it. Well, <laughs> let's talk about um, Ian Delafield. Are you a fan? I love yeah. this edition. This is a very Penguin good. Modern Classic, and it's got a very elegant picture on the front of a sort of. It's. I mean, I don't. It's like if um, if they made a film and um, and Keira Knightley. Mm played her, yes. I think. It's got this lovely kind of... Green, sofa, dress. Green, green dress. Green dress. Because of Atonement that I thought that, I think. Yes, you're so right. So when did you first read this?
2: Well, it's, it looks like a virgin book, so it's a very polite question. <laughs> Obviously, it has not been thumbed. Um, again, I was looking at that as an example of witty writing and it is so gorgeous so if you think about the Bridget Jones which I adored and we all know it started in the independent as a column so that's interesting in its sense in itself isn't it um the understatement there's some great lines in there um, I'd love for you to read a bit if you've got a bit that you like are you are you up for that yep I'll just have to find one maybe I should just not even find it shall I just, just open the page
1: It says, well, copyright.
2: Okay, I'm just literally opening it at a page, so there's no agenda. July the 12th. Pay farewell calls and receive much good advice. Our vicar says that it is madness to drink water anywhere in France, unless previously boiled and filtered. Our vicar's wife shares Robert's distrust as to climate and advises Jaeger next as the skin, and also offers loan of small travelling medicine chest for emergencies. (laughs) Discussion follows as to whether Bishop fate of Quinn is or is not dutiable I don't know that word article I'm lost there and is finally brought to inconclusive conclusion by our vicars pronouncing definitely in any case honesty is the best policy well that may not have been the best example but you can see that understatement and agenda is rife in in Mm. in the narrative as you already cleverly got and I adore it and it was written what in the 30s so you got clever women we're doing all this stuff already
1: you are an extremely funny, clever woman. Well, uh, what what that, makes you it? laugh? What's the first thing you remember really, really laughing at?
2: Well, interestingly, when I get asked that, I, this is my answer, but I had a, a lovely, a couple of gins with a very nice friend of mine last night, and I now feel I should change it. Um, so my version of what makes me laugh, right, is when somebody falls over and then they pretend they haven't. Because <laughs> I find that, that sums up my life, <laughs> uh, falling over, obviously... And then just pretending you haven't. Because social situations and, like, because I say what's in my mind and then I can see the disaster that I can cause, the people's alarm, you know. But anyway, my lovely friend yesterday was um, talking about another co- another person, she said, and she laughs at, you know, the kind of things like when someone falls over. And I didn't say anything because I thought, oh no, that I would. <laughs> um, but it's, 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 but actually that sums up how, where we're coming from always. And, and humour is always about, who we are what mood we're in our disposition just a thousand a thousand things
1: and our dna do you not yes, think right. it's vulnerability and pomposity mm-hmm. isn't it as always i think trying to maintain this image of ourselves while knowing deep down that we're not mm. we're just shambling bundles yeah. of chaos i would say that um but then authenticity is really important
2: so uh, i absolutely agree but then you need we need to learn and to better i think uh how to claim what we can do but also be honest about our foibles mm. um i don't like it when i feel um people are putting it on because they feel that that's a genre let's say in writing um although good on them for earning a living so i'm not entirely contradicting myself but for me personally to the origin of the question is what makes me laugh is authenticity so i kind of if i'm if there's a barrier, I get annoyed. Mm. Deep down, there's so much anger in me that I get very cross when I feel that people aren't being honest.
1: I think a lot of it—it's when it's people. The detail is really, really specific as well, because you know that has to be observed from something real, from somewhere. And I think that's mm. what Diary of a Provincial Lady does yeah. so In a better section. <laughs> Sorry about the section. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the medicine chest. Yes. I thought it was great.
2: One word. Anyway, what sort <laughs> of
1: reader were you when you were little? Did you like books? Did you feel like books were something you had to endure? Um, I liked In Blight and I
2: think I probably have that in common with quite a lot of people and um, my thing was eating nougat at the same time as, well, reading a Bunty comic, that started my passion. I devoured uh, The Four Marys, which I think was in Bunty, these four amazing, powerful characters in a cartoon strip. Um, and I just remember being obsessional and excited about going up to the newsagent, getting my Bunty comic and my nougat.
1: Did he have a favourite
2: full Mary? Was the one that you sort of yeah, really connected good question. with? Um, no, I can just I can just picture them all. Um, well, one was tall and sort of authoritative. No you I can't remember that's I a think, very good
1: question That's right was Mary Field sporty There was Mary I think oh. Rally or Radley who's quite posh. Oh. There there's Mary Simpson who I think was a scholarship girl because oh. there always had to be one and I cannot remember Two others. I want to say Mary Crawford but I think that's that, someone no, that's in Austen. That's,
2: that's <laughs> feeling right your your names are correct feeling correct Simpson and the first one the sporty one
1: Field Simpson Radley or well, Raleigh?
2: I would accept Crawford as a contender. And then maybe Smith. Maybe someone who just got in yeah. through the back door.
1: That's a, we'll think of <laughs> a, a better short. name
2: later. Who <laughs> was short and not very sporty. That would be me. <laughs> but that was great.
1: Enid Brighton, great. Noel Stretfield, gorgeous. <gasps> oh, was it, love, love, love. Did Was there any Noel Stretfield that made you want to act did that spark it off or did that exist long before no you the acting started her? when I, I knew I had to do
2: something like that I'm doing now when I was 10 and I was writing um I wrote stuff I wrote a play quite a bad play when I was 10 but I wrote a sketch show that was funnier then the play came second and that was not received well so that was the beginning of my peaking so, and what, then failing did, did you put these on yeah at school and then also at home so that's, at school, I wanted to be David Frost. Mm. So I did my sketch show that everyone was a success. And then they asked me to write a play for the open day. And it wasn't good. And it was just that whole dynamic of huge responsibility, huge expectation and me blowing it. And I I do find that a very familiar pattern in my life. Um, or I just remember the failures more than, than the kind of... I, I'm not... I'm that's, not complacent. I don't like thinking of success and I don't like waiting
1: for people to but I think clap. That's a really big thing when you're 10 because writing a play when you're 10 is a big mm, deal. Having great. the play performed is a big deal. It was. But to think at the age of 10 because mm. obviously it I imagine would have some elements of triumph and disaster yes. because you were a child but to to hold that in your head as an example of failure that I, makes I, me I, really sad. I know that I think I am quite sad. But it's a
2: mix, isn't it, of like being the person you are in the in that form, like how you were. I always say this. I bet we can all remember if we went to one of those friends reunited things. Now, God forbid, but we would be the same with our peer group as we were then. I
1: think, largely. So, were you popular? Were you bullied? <laughs> weird, oh. weird. The joke I always make, I always say I was very badly bullied. Well no, actually oh. I was quite efficiently bullied. Efficiently. <laughs> they did their job. So they were not bad at bullying. They were successful oh, I bullies.
2: See, I see the play on words there,
1: but so you were bullied. Why? Were you fat? Yes. Or thin? Oh okay. Um I was fat and I was yeah. a nerd. Um I was quite um, academic. My family were quite academic yeah. and my sister all sort of very bright. So I I, mean, I you know, I enjoyed that and I always loved mm. writing and making things up. Mm. But you know, it was a a bad combination to be and fat to be honest engineered. I look back and I really wasn't <laughs> all things considered when you say th- I mean I don't want to be you know it's, it's difficult for everybody but when you sort of whenever there's like a news story about obese children I'm like yeah. I wasn't that fat
2: no <laughs> but um, I really felt no, it. no and it's good to just own it I don't know why I, well I was fat because I had asthma and I had to take steroid in- injections at the time that kept me moon faced and fat. But also, I ate a lot of nougat, and also, being a, we had a lot of cake at home. And in those days, I mean, you'd come home from school, I don't mean you, and you'd have tea on the table. You'd have tea with bread and butter and cake. Then you'd have supper. You know, you'd have I think loads of about food.
1: Yes, a lot because <laughs> of the kind of, oh, you know, it's terrible. And we all eat far too much and we must stop. So I I see P.G. Woodhouse. Yeah. One of the things I love so much about a P.G. Woodhouse book is they're constantly, constantly eating. eating be a really like They'll have a full, full breakfast and then sort of elevens. Us. It's not a biscuit. They sit down to cheese on yeah, toast. And then yeah, there's a vast nice. spread for lunch. It's and then bread. a proper, you know, sandwiches about four o'clock. Yep. And then a full-on many-course dinner. But how lovely.
2: How lovely to be
1: connected up by meals. Because it mm. means that
2: people are sitting together. You know, and they even have to have programmes now about how to teach people how to sit together. And I'm really guilty of that. Because... As a single parent when I was, I remember Hannah and my daughter, we would be sitting on the floor watching Spot the Dog, probably eating with our fingers. I mean,
1: sorry, you know, that's probably bad and roundabout. about. But... but if you're together and if you remember yeah. it and if she remembers it yeah. and you're happy.
2: Lonely times.
1: No, um, but
2: I just I just think there are many ways to connect with people. <gasps> and I rebel against the kind of tyranny of having to be formal. I think so very fondly I think
1: was it last year we went for lunch I say lunch I couldn't tell you what we ate I know there was <laughs> masses of
2: vodka <laughs> oh, you and, me. and we were there for about 8 hours yes we were <laughs> I'll tell you why because um, I'd been given tokens uh, for that club And you were the lucky recipient of some of the tokens. But I think we actually hoovered up those tokens and beyond. But there is something very nice almost, uh, well, always, I would say, wrong word. There's something very nice about meeting someone new and then getting to know them. I'm addicted to that. I I like new people um, because we live in a world where... I don't live in a, a rural community where there are habits and repetitions of social groups, which is great and I think really worthwhile and important. But I am not that person. So I get high on, on connecting with other humans. And my hopes are always high when I meet a new human and I get so excited that I might make them laugh and they might make me laugh. And I'm always seeking that. And I celebrate the newness of people as I, go f- as I get older and older and older.
1: I think it's quite romantic. I think mm. that lots of people are really hooked on that initial first sort of flush of relationships mm. and it's a way of... It's friend romances, isn't it? Yeah. And it's a kind of flirting, I think. It's lovely.
2: Yes, and then it's sort of not consciously sexual in my way, no. but
1: in my department, but... I collect Oh,
2: I, mine it is maybe, maybe in yours but no because I'm so closed to, to all that so, uh, hence reading um, my literature uh, gives me everything um, but um, I think that I somebody said I collect people and it sounds a bit sort of uh, flighty and, and superficial but it's just that I don't let those people go they, they just join like the Pied Piper they just join into the Canvas and mm. and that's about life. We only got so long alive, haven't we? So we might as well be open to new friendships.
1: Hey, if you could pick a character that you've read who you'd love to be your new friend, someone you'd love to take for lunch, yes, long boozy lunch, yes. who would you take?
2: Okay, a good
1: good one. Well,
2: uh, that hidden here, and I took this uh, when I was touring a show, I think about fifteen years ago, and I really struggled with my nerves a lot, which I less now, uh, less now. Because I do different kinds of gigs. I don't do the frightening ones. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Now, alas, the Susan De- Jeff- Jeffers... I always used to call her Jeffers. She's not Jeffers. I've just seen the correct name, gosh, <laughs> from the first time. Is alas dead. But this is a great handbook. And I would like to take her to lunch on my tokens, should she be alive. Because I like someone who's been there, done it. Great title. Says it all. You know that thing says on the tin, la mm. la. Well, it does. So she'd be good. And then in terms of another author, I really enjoyed this book, When We Were Bad, by Charlotte Mendelssohn. She is very witty, quite dark, and I just, I think I had to read this when I was a judge for something, but I came across it and I thought, what a great, stunning novel and maybe sometimes meeting the author might be a disappointment, though, as well. Mm. I just like dark, spicy women, you know. And when I mean spicy, I mean, you know, like, not afraid of going to the very dark, unpleasant side, mm. which is therefore funny. I yeah. think you
1: have to yeah. be. She's I really a... loved, in, in Losing It, that there is so much of that about the sort of that... And what I loved as well, what I thought was brilliant about losing it, was all of those conversations with people who were just refusing to understand each other. <laughs> I thought that seemed so yes, authentic to okay me. for
2: you. I'm glad you got that. But that is about... Well, I suppose when you're writing in the third person, so it wasn't written in the first person, you kind of need to kind of create the vibe so that you need to explain social awkwardness so it's what people don't say. Mm. And what you're saying is that disconnect is so rife like one person will say something and then the other person doesn't reply or then they might reply later when something else has said something else and that is the sort of music of how none of us understand each other at all it's quite lonely but hilarious
1: it is hilarious. and again it's that you know to be funny it has to be i think exploring an unpleasant truth yeah, unpleasant
2: truth. And then maybe the job of a comedy writers, you yourself are a very good one, is to, um, and it sounds a bit, <laughs> not at all, um, and it might sound a bit um, pretentious, but it does unite us. So that is the purpose of it, I think. Somehow to desire to read more of unpleasantness mm. means that it's making us feel better yes. about unpleasantness. And that at least
1: is a nice function. Mm, definitely. Mm. When you've been acting and working and, you know, doing lots of travelling and lots of kind of waiting to go on, did you sort mm. of read much backstage or did you mm. find that your nerves couldn't, <laughs> couldn't take it? Well, I've
2: heard that. Is it the musical woman... Uh, d- Ellen Terry, I, I could be wrong, but she had sex before she went on. Or was it Mary Lloyd? One of them uh, has a great sort of diffuser of anxiety was to have sex before you go on stage.
1: With a particular person? Well, or who knows? who's available? I don't know
2: the details. But that's not occurred to me live in a theatre <laughs> situation just for the sheer lack of availability and the inconvenience probably. But I just, uh, my nerves... I wouldn't be concentrating on a book um, to read a novel. I couldn't go into another place. But my handbook, Feel the Fear, or any of those, there's another one, The Power. Anything where I can get my, like in Edinburgh when I was doing my shows this summer, just to get myself into a very positive state of just thinking good thoughts about myself and the audience. That's what I try to do. I'm not saying I succeeded, but there's an awful lot of head work to be done. You can't just sort of turn up and look normal because it's a very odd thing to do. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's real, but also, but part of the challenge, I guess, is convincing the audience that it's not odd, <laughs> that it is a natural thing. Yes, yeah.
2: and that you want to talk to that group of people, mm. even though you've never met them before, and that's fine in the in the world that you and I sometimes en- en- envelop. You know, in this the, the literary world where already your audience is disposed to to. to listen to what you have to say they've chosen to come to listen to that and bookie stuff which is great but going back to the days of stand-up when it was more um selection gladiatorial it was normal to be harsh then obviously that you couldn't just wander on and expect people to be vaguely interested in something you might have written
1: once you, you've actually got to give them content mm. as you know a lot of the time, it's like people are there because there's a bar in there. So uh-huh. the only thing people have got in common is a fondness for alcohol. Yeah,
2: fondness for, but also uh, an enjoyment of seeing people fail because it makes them feel better. Yeah. Uh, a, a huge level of criticism. The moment anyone walks on the stage, they're going to be assessing them, their vibe, their clothes. You know, it was it was a harsh time, um, particularly you know women. Was so, uh, it was so unusual for women, then obviously they had their own scrutiny. Um, I think it was mentally derailing for me. um, And it was lovely when I didn't do it. But then, of course, I regretted stopping because I see how brilliant everyone else, you know, continued to be brilliant. And I thought, oh, no, I've stepped out. But it wasn't good for me. So I'm glad I stepped out.
1: It sounds like one of those really intense relationships where it's that person you can live Neither with nor without. Yes, because there's an element of the fact that I think I can do it because I have done it,
2: and that's why I went back to it this summer just to see if I could do it. But I didn't have a plan after that because, of course, now it's so organised. You have to have a tour, an agent, promoter. So then I'm thinking, oh, why did I do that? But I think it, I did it just to be a bit sharper, mm. a little bit sharper. So I'm a little bit sharper, I, I think, today from so doing I'm sure that show. It's really good for your writing. Um, writing, as you know yourself, because you write loads, Daisy, is it's a repetition of writing that makes you get better. Because yeah. I look at stuff. Um, I was trying to pitch something, <laughs> expecting some rejection emails any, any minute, and I looked at something I'd written ten years ago, and I, it's so different. You must mm. find this. The person who was writing ten years ago is not now, and it, actually, novelists don't tend to read their novels of before, do they? There's something. It's a different person that wrote mm. then.
1: And I think it's it's weird, isn't it? Because you know, you can see how the sausage has been made. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. And by that you mean you don't feel connected or you feel it, you see I, the I think, a,
2: a craft of it or...
1: Yeah, I think that when, because I, I love reading mm. so much and it's, you know, if, you, if you're really, really, really connecting with mm. a book, it's pure joy and you can absolutely be in that universe. But it's, I think sometimes reading your own writing, mm. you know... You can sort of see where the paint doesn't quite go all the way around oh, the oh back, gosh, and yes, you know the yes. colours. And you can sort of see where the splinters are and what's wonky, and oh, it's very hard. You can't. You, oh, it's You nervous. can't lose yourself in the universe that you've created. I think unless you are actually in the act of writing, possibly.
2: Well, some people might disagree with that. To take sure. that point about when you're reading your own stuff back, and you can see um, the, the disjointed and the, uh, disconnect and all that is more painful if it is you that's written it. Mm. Because then you would be very self-critical. And uh, it's like, you go, oh, what a twat. You know, oh, my God, did you really think... You know, you'd be really doubly harsh. Whereas if we picked up a novel that was written 10 years ago... Well, that's a different point, isn't it? You know, we can enjoy when it was written Mm. and and all the influences 10 years ago. But I did a programme where you had to do your teenage diaries. And I keep all my diaries. uh, Mm. And it was a bit of a, a gift because I actually... Kept them all. Then I remembered all the pain of growing up. It was all about boys, and it was totally authentic. So I actually loved that sort of fourteen-year-old, twelve-year-old person writing it. So it's quite interesting going back, isn't it?
1: Can we? Oh, is that a is that a, a Melody Maker diary from nineteen sixty-nine? Wow, nice. That is amazing. And look at your Do tiny
2: you, writing. This a tiny writing, and there is a. This is all about boys and people in my school. Like, get up, go to church, quite good. Susanna, come to lunch, go when David arrive. Obviously, we need to know the characters for it to connect. But here's a poem. Do you want me to read it? Yes, please. It's called 18 of the 3rd, 69. It's called A Soppy Piece of Writing. The whole page has been crossed out, and then I've written, Oh, God, (laughs) at the top with two exclamation marks the dawn crept up on us and played with the flimsy curtains drifting and blowing in the breeze looking back on the friendly moon that was kind to us last night it didn't seem to mind us watching it but it wasn't watching us it turned totally away fine anyway i shall put that melody maker back in its box quite literally
1: oh, thank i enjoyed that very much
2: <laughs>
0: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: We'll be back to Helen soon, but now it's time for my Steal of the Week, a book so valuable that if you claimed it on your contents insurance, your provider would roll their eyes and demand to see a receipt. This week, it's The Pisces by Melissa Broder. Lucy is in exile in Venice Beach, LA, having disgraced herself at the end of a breakup with an emotionally unavailable man. Lucy finds relief through the usual channels, Tinder dates, group therapy, shopping trips, but things get seriously weird and very sexy when she meets a mysterious swimmer on the rocks. If you'll permit a clunky metaphor, this book is a lot like the ocean it's set beside. The shallows are warm and fun, the depths are unexpected and take your breath away. It's uncompromisingly funny, defiantly explicit, and it will carry you away. An extremely stylish beach read in the literal sense. If you do read it on the beach, you might need a big sun hat to cover your blushes. I adored it. That's The Pisces by Melissa Broder, published by Bloomsbury. Now, back to Helen. let we have a look at the books on the other case? What, Here, what oh, that, out. that the book that jumps out to me because it's such a brilliant title is Annabel Gerwitz's "I See You Made an Effort." <laughs> I don't oh, know yes. that book. Yes, I,
2: I don't know that book. I just was interested in that's an interesting title, and that because that title says something else, doesn't it? Mm, so that's nice.
1: Absolutely not what you'd expect no. to see in a bookshop. So it does leave out. Oh, I'm so sorry. that's no, it's another ah. book. That's the um, sound of. Yeah, oh, we don't. Know what to,
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, but um but i then you think you might know what the it might be a bit of a waspish kind of seminal thing about middle age
1: compliments indignities and survival stories from the edge of 50 so is it short stories or i essays? haven't read it
2: so we don't... but i i did this um i was just interested in looking at books um what was the genre where you talk about being middle-aged and you don't have to worry about that yet, Daisy. <laughs> lucky
1: you. Well, it, it'll come for all of it. It's a trip, <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I should be so lucky. No,
2: yes, yes, be grateful.
1: Actress and humorist Annabelle Gurwich returns with, I see you made an effort, whether she is falling in lust at the Genius Bar, navigating the extensive and treacherously expensive anti-aging offerings at the Department of Beauty Cancer, or coping with the assisted suicide of her best friend. Oh,
2: Lord. Oh, Lord. Um, I think it's that the, the, that might be prime. that might be better than the content I don't know because I can't vouch safe for the content sometimes so, just well, reading this track it's like, making
1: me want to read it oh, good can I borrow
2: good that? you can borrow that <laughs> yeah of course you can um um, those are that, weird what, things. Do
1: you have any books that you read to your daughter when she was little? Yeah, there oh, in another...
2: Yeah, I was trying to find those. I, I remember going back to when we were talking about Noel Stratfield. Str- do you say Stratfield or Stratfield?
1: I see you say Stratfield, okay, I think, I'll but I've, I've never... I've, I never know. If someone okay. were to say...
2: Well, we're like. not on Radio 4, luckily, so we can say it. So I remember the first one was The Circus Is Coming. Can you remember that? And I can remember the cover with all yes. balloons and like a tent. And I was trying to find it the other day because that book, I just, it was my copy. And I would have read that to her. Um, I can't remember. Do you know what? I can't, My memory is dropped to pieces. But this has probably got more... Uh, like, free books, you get a uh, book launches. Like, it got given Thrive by Ariana Huffington person. I haven't read that, but I'm
1: sure it's very good. Um, well, I imagine that might be, you know, in the same sort of yeah. feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah, Although, it's a sort I, of... Is she like an heiress billionaire? I'm not sure, so, but
2: she. I remember she got to a point in her life where she had burnout, so that was what interested me. Um And I went along, obviously I go along to these things. Actually, it was at number 11... Downing Street when um, Osborne was Chancellor, oh. and I swear he recognised me. I'd like to think. Um, sure, have done. <laughs> and uh, I left my phone there, and they had to um, bike it back in a special jiffy envelope because you have I to put security. your phone. Yeah, you have to put your phones in, don't you? When you, you know, like mm. an everyday occurrence at Downing Street. So I didn't know. But I'm there all, all the time. I've I tell, you tell This to. is a funny author, Laurie Graham. Um, oh, I love Laurie yes, Graham. Yes,
1: I've not read that. That's that Life one. According to Lovecraft
2: She was ahead of her time in terms of witty female um, writing, would
1: you say? Definitely. The ones I really, really loved of hers are Mr. Starlight about the Liberace-esque story. Okay. And there's one... Cooking Cooking one? Something about cooking. The vague memory. Is that the one where it's the man having an affair and it's the 60s and it's sort of the exotic neighbour? Hey, they we, eat a lot of mango. You do have a photographic, oh. among other. Uh, no, I can, no Helen. For all I know, that that's like eight books I've amalgamated. That's... But there's the oh, the um, the Wallace Simpson one of hers. I really love. Okay, so no,
2: you beat me. Um, I'd like to think that I read a lot of hers, but I haven't. So, but I do love her as an author. But um, oh, we've got more self-help here. So not. Oh, we've got the Power of Now. they are got but um, I couldn't get beyond. <laughs>
1: what I love so much is yeah. that the Power of Now. By Eckhart is next to Can't and Won't by
2: Lydia Davis. Yes, and those are collections. There was a present for me by like, lovely poet John Hegley. And he, um, I think they're short stories. And, um, and the producer um, Dale is a big fan of Livia Davis. Oh, right. So again, mm. I've got some lovely, lovely authors here. I just wish I'd read them. <laughs>
1: but they're here for oh, you, they're waiting they're here. for you when you're ready.
2: And, oh, yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. This one. So this you would enjoy this. She's laughing loudly. What I love so much is it's called Coping with Helen Ledger. Is it coping yeah. with Helen Ledger or coping with yeah. Helen Ledger? Well, we don't know. That's why I am a stickler for titles.
2: But this is again, I feel I was ahead of my time. Look I would at say that. that
1: sexy, sexy picture of you. So there's me stunning.
2: holding a tray of Weetabix, um, because there was a book at the time by uh, Jane Asher called Easy Entertaining with Jane Asher, bless her. So this was a slight parody.
1: So, this appears to be Weetabix on a bed of tomato puree fried yeah. by Mange 2. Yeah,
2: ahead of my time, because I swear I saw somebody use a similar image somewhere. I try and be gracious about my ideas being taken by other people, but when I'm in a defensive mood, as today... I wanna wanted, I wanna wanted kind of be really mean and just go my idea, me, I was there first. But then you can't have a monopoly on ideas, can you? But this book is like uh, social skills, holidays, choosing a companion, do you need therapy? Question mark, depression, how to overcome depression. I've and I say I have prepared a few dishes that I find effective antidotes to depression. Oh I'm suggesting guacamole dip. And um with croutons. With croutons. And then How to Cope in the Rare Event of People Not Liking You Very Much. And then I've got... That's my friend, my friend John Hegley, um, very kindly. Came round for the photo shoot in my flat in Finsbury Park. And oh, it was such fun doing that book and this doing the like... photos and getting people... And then this is about... I do a thing called seduction. I talk about bed valence. The pictures are brilliant. And i do like helen i'm glad you met, uh, we t- he says man says i like a well-dressed bed helen do you think the color is all right man oh yes a good valance should complement the undersheet and contrast with the duvet not entirely <laughs> riveting
1: somebody's very very um, jonathan gender,
2: swift i'd like to say but that's it's very pretentious i didn't know that somebody said that afterwards i had no uh-huh. idea street cred traffic jams Holding your own in conversation So I did that in the 80s And I'm sure many many people have copied me since Oh I can't believe I just said that That's how I'm feeling today Bitter, twisted, ungenerous And copy me at your peril Daisy you don't need to. You're very, very original in your own right. She said so quickly. I,
1: I want to. Rip this office this is brilliant.
2: This yes. is gold. No ripping off.
1: I'm just going to read the first bit about looking Go after on. your money because you wrote an article about <laughs> oh, money management and financial disasters, mm. and I just it was that was something that I thought was so brilliant and so specific because I am a financial disaster. Yes. and Nothing gives me the fear like money, yeah, money. and talking about Scary. money. Examining your bank statement can raise some interesting questions. How is it that I managed to spend £300 on the 7th of March when I didn't even leave the house that day? How did I manage to spend £259 at John Lewis when I only spent three minutes in there sheltering from the rain? I've often suspected there is someone, possibly in a parallel universe, who is spending the money in my account.
2: That was before the internet, I have to say. This was like in the 80s when I think I might have had the first, is it called a a computer where you type on it, but there was no internet where you, you know, you can buy things
1: now online. Dear Bank Manager, I know from your last letter that you feel I've not yet realised my growth potential and that you find it difficult to justify my expenditure in the following areas. Honey from Wales,
2: 37 pounds fifteen. <laughs> oh, this has so to good. be done. Oh, bless you. I'm glad you like it. In fact, I hadn't... You reading it, when we talked earlier about reading our stuff before... That's actually not bad, is and it, Daisy? It's that's
1: not bad. And it's interesting as well because it's um so this was I mean that's written sounds in nineteen eighty eight. So this is thirty? Oh, what was it ninety eight?
2: Eighty eight, Oh, 88. yeah, eighty eight. Not aged.
1: Oh, I wanna read I can, yeah. can, can we just we need to you can stop the podcast it. so I can read this. The bit on people not liking it. Ah oh. Yeah because... Do you have any more of these?
2: Yeah, you. but you can't copy it. So I'm going I to get just, a certificate. You're going to I'm... sign a disclaimer before you leave my library <laughs> that you are not taking any of the words in that book. I think I'm just, and but I love the. I love you for me being able to say that to you and you laugh because a lot of people, you couldn't get away with saying that, could you? Because they go, ooh, bitter, which of course I am.
1: It's funny, I think, mm. that in that sort of the comedy world, mm. I guess, this idea that, once you're professionally funny, no, I'm not saying this about you at all, mm. but it sounds like from what you're saying, the people in that world are like, you're not going to give it away. There's a lack of sort of exuberance and, you know, mm. general light chat. Mm. Like, I, will, I will be funny for these hours and I will invoice for it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we can't be silly.
2: I think the world now is very, very different. I mean, we can tie all these thoughts up with thinking my joy is in, is connecting with other women who are funny. That is my absolute joy. I'll go for lunch with them, as you and I have witnessed experience. i well, remember
1: nothing. It's,
2: exactly. So I seek that connection. So it's not like I don't want to be entertained or touched by the people's humour. But there's still that regard and respect for colleagues' work and boundaries that have should and has always existed amongst fellow colleagues don't you think and when when you get plundered mm. That is hard, and I think that'd be hard for any of our. You know, you don't see two Picassos, do you?
1: No. And um, I, I think or maybe well. he was just
2: the one successful one who made it. I don't know. There was a
1: there was an original Picasso who was great, and the other Picasso kind of like bumped him off. He threw him over the side of a boat. He was like, Is these. that true." Or was
2: that a flight fancy? No, that's
1: um, that's me um, oh, inventing. Get it? I was going to <laughs> say expectorating. Well, that's spitting, isn't it? I'm oh. not spit. I'm not going to spit in your no, house.
2: No, don't don't spit in my house I'm near the books. Anyway, I have to get a duster. Well,
1: I'm going to. Um, I'm not stealing this, but I want to take a picture of it.
2: My other half sometimes says, We really should get rid of the books. What? You're not ever getting rid of my books. And downstairs are all the books that I took from my parents' house. Ah. And I just know the look of them. So they will never go. They are staying with me. Can we have a look at those? Yep. We'll go downstairs. um, Because they will. Oh, just leave it. I like things being higgledy. I don't need um, order. Okay. um, Shall we go go to see the parents' books? I'd love to see the parents' books. Okay. We'll do that. Oh, in fact, if you go here in the dark room, this, these, are, these are the books probably that are, are just a lot of the stored ones. Those ones are the Czech, uh, German books that obviously we're not going to understand <laughs> from my uh, father and grandmother. And then in here, we've got um, the posh show-off books ah. that rarely get taken out. So like we're in the beautiful sitting room. I do my uh, jumping up on a trampoline. now. I've only just, I've only done it twice. Apparently, that's what you have to do to cure depression.
1: You only jumped up and down and up twice. and down and went no more trampoline for me.
2: But these books will be books that people send. You must get sent lots of books. Oh, there's um, uh, Enid Blyton.
1: Oh. So I must have been doing that. That
2: was. Uh...
1: In the Fifth at Mallory Towers. Yeah, and it's my in dad's a... favourite. Is that the one with the pantomime?
2: Uh, it, it may well have been at the end, as probably part of the resolution when everyone comes together. I don't know, I'm guessing. But this is its original, one of its original, you know, they've republished. Oh, um, so is that. So I think this is a, an original
1: the, from a charity shop. That looks a bit it's not 70s. Mine. Do we think? Yeah, I love. maybe. The, I'm just going to describe the cover because yeah. um, you know, I'm going to paint a picture mm. with words. So this looks like lacrosse. It looks quite, quite yes. violent lacrosse. There's lots of bashing of sticks. We've got four girls. I don't, I'm assuming one of them must be Daryl. And mm. they're in stripy. Daryl is in the foreground. I love Daryl. What a lovely, open, nice, kind face she has. I like her. Do you not
2: like her as much as I like her?
1: I've never quite forgiven her for... Um, ah, gosh, I know mm. she hit Sally in the music room. Oh. They made it up. Yeah. But then, did she drown Mary Lou in the pool for being a bit wet? She always
2: she had a problem with her temper. She had anger management issues. and But the good thing is she
1: owned them. Mm. And then came good. So it is important to have weakness. It's interesting, I think, in in Indleiton's world, r- smacking people semi-regularly it is... is <laughs> Much less of a sin than being, quote-unquote, a bit wet.
2: Yes, <laughs> She's got
1: no time for people who struggle with confidence. No,
2: no, uh, too feisty. Um, so then these um, are... Oh, I know, I do remember this book... Um, Been given this book, uh, Confessions of an Actor. That was probably my first. Oh, Laurence Olivier. Sort of my first grown up biography about a famous actor.
1: That is beautiful, Edition. When did you read this?
2: Oh, a long time ago. I I remember I must have lived at
1: home. Like a teenager. Yeah.
2: I think it might have been given to me by my father. So it kind of, you know, like special. Mm. um, Because, like, saying, oh, we know you're interested in that kind of thing. So
1: here's a book for you, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? I think it's that really powerful. When yeah. you're that age and you don't have that much stuff that's of your mm. own yeah. and to have someone seeing what's individual that's and what's it. special about you, I think that's huge.
2: And then we just got oh loads and loads of wine books that I just stored because they look nice because I'm a bit of an amateur. I have an interest in wine. I had a column uh, a few years, well, probably ten longer years ago, so then I got getting books to understand about wine more. And oh, then, and yeah. this is you here. Oh, that was another book I wrote. Single Minding on Lane yeah. Parenting. Now, they look staged because they're here, but this was for a photo shoot. I promise you, that I don't come <laughs> in this room that often, and we put the books that I'd written for a photograph.
1: Have a breakdown, have yeah. a coffee morning. I love the illustrations. Yeah, that, that was I was fat. asked
2: to do that by Hodra um, after a, a one-woman show I'd done. Um, uh, when I was newly divorced. And I suppose there's a picture of Hannah there, so she must have been about two.
1: Oh, wow. A very
2: unfashionable. Nobody what, wrote books like that. What does Hannah
1: think about this?
2: I don't think she thinks much of it. She just...
1: How does on. she feel about having having her... <laughs> she, how old was she there? Two.
2: I think she just... Oh,
1: she is adorable. You well, both
2: are. Two-year-olds two are adorable, whoever. But I think her thing would be, she's finding she's who she is, so she's not like us... So that's probably a very good thing to be completely different mm. from your parents in in what you do, I think is good. Although doctors run in families, so there's nothing wrong with that. Even comedians, not in this family. Um, yeah, so they're just like big, you know, books that look oh. good in photographs this bit now. So I'm, not, one, I'm a bit ashamed of one these. One big
1: book I'm excited <laughs> about, I see The Best of Jackie. Oh, that was a Christmas present. Oh, nicely. This was a
2: Christmas present from my school friend who... Um, obviously, again, you know, nostalgia. They they reissue this, so I. Um, so this is not. Oh, who my, are these This would be your era, not mine. Donny Osman, David Cassidy, Cassidy. That wasn't David Cassidy, maybe. So I haven't gone through this in detail <gasps> yet. Oh, is there a quiz? But oh, but what's your real age? So this is—is is this Kathy and Claire? The problem yeah. Oh yeah, the, I do remember Kathy and Claire helping us through our sort of problems with boys and that. <laughs>
1: Um, are you game for anything? Yeah. And what's <laughs> your What favorite? are you saying, Jackie Magazine?
2: Uh, legs. Keep the high-heeled boots too fat. Oh, that's another wow. category. Solid heavy legs. There's some advice for you. Avoid little shoes. Skirt just
1: in a below knee. This I feel is helpful. But <laughs> like now, you just would not have that in a magazine for teenagers. No. You know, saying like this is because like, you know. Also, I've read old Jackie because you know why my first ever job was at Bliss magazine. So oh, that's where for I learned young journalism. Yes. Yeah, which was I suppose the Jackie Hannah of would its have read day. that. Yes. Women's magazines mm. really, really used to be quite here is what is wrong with you, yeah. here's how you fix Lovely. it. You know, that's <laughs> I remember kind of when I was eight, I knew that you must never wear horizontal stripes. Yeah. That you know, nuclear war would be triggered if you
2: <laughs> I, were, I
1: agree with you, not as slim as you'd like to be, and you wore horizontal stripes.
2: We have a different representation of the same thing though, because there are all there are still those photographs of um a-listers where people somebody ticks them or puts a cross. they mm. either go that coat works and that coat didn't so we still have huge judgment i suppose have it's you had that different. have you been in no been not me hooked. i only wear the same black clothes to every event uh i probably got yeah the same jacket and just has to be dry cleaned every so often so my thing is not clothes anymore or not clothes that would be commented on that's an art in itself I think you want people to remember you and not your clothes and also I don't feel particularly confident I mean I occasionally I've had to get you know they say bright colours for a shoot or something if you're promoting something or whatever and you, the you'd heal if it's in the Daily Mail it's, and yes and it's so depressing because then a very nice wardrobe person will come along and they're used to people being happy about being given borrowed clothes for a shoot and my heart sinks and I go it's not going to do up, it's not going to work I hate that colour and that I just feel like I'm an imposter, so that's so I do have a very extreme sense of don't don't dress me.
1: It's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Because I think it's yeah. I it's, can't. It's a bit of control things. being taken away. Yeah, and because it's quite a vulnerable thing, I think, to have your picture taken, and you want to be in as much control as you can be. Totally. And So you're like, well, I'd never wear this. I know, and as I and I tell them, look, I have a very broad trunk. I have
2: very bo- it's not going to fit and then the humiliation of them bringing really big
1: size mm. and that not doing up. So it's the whole thing is very is very exposing. I just read a really big fan of the comedian and podcaster Sophie Hagen. who's a lovely oh. woman and she's written a gorgeous book and I will find out and I'll put mm. it in the notes because I think the book's coming out this summer. I cannot remember what it's bloody called. Mm. Um, but it's great and she's writing she mm. identifies and defines as a fat woman and she's talking about how sizist the mm. world is in really sort of insidious ways but mm. she because she's um danish and i think it was mm. a danish tv show she was on and she said to the, the style she was given the stylist and she said to the stylist look there are three shops that will do clothes my size here they are you need to go online you need to get quite far in advance It'll take ages and the stylist was like no 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 it's my job i'll find you loads of things and then the stylist came later looking totally defeated mm. and she had like here is a big black t-shirt and it was just <laughs> it. <Avid.
2: laughs> no, I can see that. I can see that we know ourselves, but the the other person is doing their job and everybody has to do their job and there is not a connection. But you're right when you earlier said uh, it's about control, so I should have to look at that. Um, if, if it's a part I'm wearing, like I've had to do a children's series where... I had to be on a tricycle a lot of the time. And uh, I said, <laughs> please, I beg, not trousers. And, of course, it was brown corduroy trousers, wasn't it? With a belt and a cravat. Um, <laughs> uh, I've played a character called Miss Bowline Hitch in a children's series. and But every day I would in, put these items on that was the most unflattering and the world. But you go, this is the Miss Bowline Hitch, so you have to... You, you, you know you've got to be cool when you're an actor you go fine yes to, I'm not difficult just put me in a load of shit I'll wear it um but when it's you it's very different
1: huge thanks to Helen follow her and share your love at Helen Lederer on social media the quip winners will be announced on July 10th there is a prize for unpublished authors so listen and you might discover your brand new favorite writer I'm Daisy Buchanan and I've been your book inspector Thank you so much for joining me, fellow bookshelf botherers. You can find me on Twitter at NotRollerGirl and on Instagram at TheDaisyBee. Say hello, suggest some guests and watch out for shelfies. Visit our show page, acast.com slash booked, for more information about our guest and the list of the books they've talked about. If you have any other queries about the podcast, email us at whybooked at gmail.com. Your Booked is produced by Dale Shaw for New Alaska and hosted by ACAST. Please do subscribe, rate us and leave a review. It's great to hear what you think and it helps other people to find the podcast. I'll see you next time. For now, I leave you with some words from Frances Hodgson Burnett, as observed by Sarah from The Little Princess. Never did she find anything so difficult as to keep herself from losing her temper when she was suddenly disturbed while absorbed in a book. People who are fond of books know the feeling of irritation which sweeps over them at such a moment. The temptation to be unreasonable and snappish is one not easy to manage.
3: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.